Hey guys, welcome to the Black Light Podcast. This is Adonia Jaja. We've got Levi Tiarina. Oh, the one and only. And for your listening pleasure, uh, I just found out that this lady can also hold a very good note uh, right next to being one of the best florists in the world. We have uh, Francis Harji, right? And uh, from Prema Style. Uh, so, uh, hello, Francis. Thank you for being on the podcast with us today. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Um, Welcome back from France, which you were just at. Fran and Francis. Yeah, yeah. I was. Um, I'm Francis. I was in France, and I was visiting my aunt Fran. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. for real. <laughs> yeah. I just said Fran. Fantastic. And yeah, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. <laughs> was there a hashtag? Did you have a hashtag? Fran visiting Fran in France. I should have. Oh. I failed in that department. Next time. Yeah. Next time. Uh, what was the trip like? What would you do? What Some highlights, yeah. It was awesome. I was with my husband, Thad, and we were in Provence. So my aunt lives in this amazing house in the summer with her husband and their bevy of children and visitors um, near Avignon. Mm. And it's an Your old... French is so good. It sounds so... Aristocratic, so yeah. Oh, thank you. Well, let me tell you, as a little girl, <laughs> my mom made me do my French flashcards every night before bed. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You so do you, do you feel, are you fluent a little? Or? I am no longer fluent. There was a period of my life where I was. Oh, really? So when I was in college, um, I worked on organic farms in France one summer. I backpacked for like three months by myself doing woofing. So woofing is called Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. Wow. And it's like a help exchange. Sure, sure. And um, my love of plants and flowers kind of started more on the farming side. Um, so like actually farming flowers, like no, that's what we're... Farming stuff. Oh, just other okay. stuff. Other stuff, yeah. Um, and I mean, flowers were part of it. But in France, at the farms I was at, it was mostly... I was in the Champagne region. So mm. we were doing a bunch of just greens and carrots and chasing rabbits out of the fields and, yeah and um but no flowers too you know I was raised with a lot of gardens my mother's a landscape designer mm-hmm. and we always had flowers in our house because she loved to design and as a little girl in addition to french flashcards on my bedside table I would have a little bud vase with flowers every oh, day really? always like always. fresh flowers oh yeah oh my yeah that I would you know do little arrangements with my mom for her garden club and then for the house. Um, but yeah, oh, France. So France was awesome. Um, we were only there a short period of time, had some issues with traveling, mm-hmm. lost our bags. So it was kind of freeing though. It was the longest I'd gone without wearing makeup in a while. Oh, wow. That felt good. Yeah, is that normal in France? I, I guess I've never been. Is no, that, is that I just, I didn't have my luggage. Didn't. Oh, because the luggage. Our luggage yeah. got oh, lost. Sure, I didn't put that together. So I just sort <laughs> of like rolled with a. Uh, you know, going yeah. commando wearing my cousin's sundress. It was really freeing That's in cool, so though. many ways. Yeah, right on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What about you, Levi? Do you go makeup list when you're in... Uh, just kidding. Only, only <laughs> in France do I, do I abstain from the makeup. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, it's awesome to have you on the pod. Um, we are super excited. Just uh, There's a lot of stuff going on just in general. And uh, Levi is taking this big trip to where, Levi? Sorry. I'm uh, going to Iceland. <laughs> Again. I mean, this is what your 12th time in, or what, what, how many? Yeah, something like that. Oh my gosh, this guy in Iceland. We were just talking about it a second ago. It's kind of ridiculous, but I love it. I love it. It's I good. am excited, though. This is the first time I will have a 4x4 vehicle. 
and I'm bringing a drone with me. Ooh. So oh, wow. I'm excited to have you dabble in some drone flight. droning yeah. in on um, these rugged four by five four by four roads that you can't access. Are you going solo? I am going solo. And have you practiced droning? I am going to probably work on my droning today. Okay, cool. And maybe Monday. Yeah. And probably in Iceland. Is Iceland normally windy or is it pretty it calm? It is pretty windy. Yeah, because I know that's, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping though to like do most of my droning not along the, like the ocean because I imagine that's where the mm-hmm. wind would be the worst. Yeah. But who knows, man? I mean, if you see... A drone floating around the river in Iceland, <laughs> like a year from now, it, could be, it, could, be, it could be the one that I crashed. Well, luckily you don't have to worry about crashing into trees. That's true. Oh. There would be no trees to crash into. Not a lot of trees just in tourists. Yeah. So. Just tourists. <laughs> other, and other photographers. And other photographers <laughs> and other there. drone pilots. <laughs> That's funny. All right, I have, um, I have a random And please don't, this is not, uh, this is very random. And... Uh, uh, no offense, right? We're just I'm just talking about it. this. Was on my mind. I'm wondering. <laughs> and, I feel like I'm putting up. What's it going to be? Like, yeah. just, just because I'm saying it, you're like, what? Um, it's it's just in general. Uh, Francis, you're you're a vegetarian, right? I am indeed. Yes, yeah, so uh, vegan or are you veg- yeah. I right now I'm vegetarian. Okay, cool. But have been vegan many times. It's for- it's eggs, right? Isn't what food group is an egg in? All right, I, I'm very confused. Okay, about egg this. is not a dairy product, and oh. that drives me crazy when people are like, "Put that in that product." Well, it's that's not. that's what confuses dairy me. Dairy means cow. Because I thought it was a meat, and I guess that's weird because you know if you're a meat eater, you're, I, I was talking. This is what happened. My roommate is vegetarian, mm-hmm. and I was eating an egg and chicken thing, and he's like, "What are you eating over there, Ed?" And I was like, oh, man, I'm eating a two or two or three meat bowl. And, you know, I was just joking with him. And he was like, what? Where, where, what are the three meats? And I was like, egg, chicken, and bacon or something. I can't remember what was in the bowl, but I know eggs were in the bowl. And he's like, mm, eggs aren't meat. And I was like, what? What do you mean they're not meat? What are they? What What are eggs? That's, they that's are my question. the menstrual cycle of a chicken. So what, but what <laughs> food group do they go into? Um, good question. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like they stand alone in the American world of understanding food, but in India, hmm. they are considered meat. So, they are considered meat. Yes, okay. absolutely. Okay. And so in India, pure vegetarian means no eggs. Interesting. So, are a lot of Indians pure vegetarian. Yes, pure veg is the standard in India. Um, so dairy, they go to town, they love their ghee, and mm. they love their paneer, which is a cheese, mm-hmm. but they don't eat eggs. And my husband was pure veg for a really long time before he switch to being fully vegan and I go through phases with eggs where Mm. like I think that my body really likes them they're very yin nourishing Mm -hmm. and then I go through sorry what what does that mean to be yin nourishing nourishing so like in Chinese medicine um, you know you've got like yin yang and like these different energies of the body and yin is the more feminine and the yin energies can be like I as like a fairly petite vegetarian woman can be like a little bit deficient mm-hmm. in certain energies and um, having foods that are yin nourishing just kind of smooth out those energies. Okay. I don't know how to okay. explain this in a way that's not like sounds so woo woo, but it feels um, like it gives me some like life force, some like sure. vitality. Sure. Like no, you feel satisfied when you eat them or like a deeper internal thing inside of you? Uh, I f- yeah, what I are you feel. Getting at I'm, me? You know, I'm like, <laughs> no, no, no. no. What I'm getting at is just like, like I, I, what the question behind the question is. I don't really know anything about 
energies. Mm-hmm. And I'd be curious to know wh- how you, yeah, what those are and how do you define those or Wait, how do you feel about those? Like before I, we get I, into I, it, yeah, uh, I just want to just operationally define some things. When you just said yin and, and yang, is that what I would refer to as yang? Like the, is that the, prene- the right yin, way? Yang. Okay, yeah, that's me. Yeah. That's just me being a country boy. No, no, <laughs> I'm the yin and the yang. The yin and the yang. The black okay. and the white. Yeah, no, it's the I same I just want to make sure it's the same thing. Totes. And maybe that's a, the better way to pronounce it is, can you say it one more time? Yin and yang. Yin and, I, yin and yang. You know, so my okay. husband is an acupuncturist. Sure. Yeah. And I just say what he says, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, but he's like in it. He studies it. Right, because he studied like, Chinese yeah. medicine. And Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So this is like, this is, I, I would take him. As an authority yeah. in, this, yes. in that field, yes. Yeah, so. Totally. So but the yeah. question within a question is that I don't know much about internal energies, and I'm imagining most people listening may not know that. So can you extrapolate more on when you say you feel like your energies are imbalanced or if like they, yeah. yeah. Tell us more about that. Well, um, I think we all can tune into that, but we're not conditioned to tune into how we feel a lot of the time other than mm. on a really superficial level where like mm. I'm happy I'm sad I'm tired mm. but there's a lot more nuance of on so many levels whether it's like on the physical level or the emotional or spiritual level and when I'm talking about my energy levels it's kind of all of those things combined so certain foods have certain energies certain foods are really grounding and nourishing um other foods are very light and airy and you see this in both like ayurvedic which is the traditional indian medicine and in more tcm which is traditional chinese medicine that foods are broken into categories and they affect us differently Mm. and um for example in the winter time i want to eat like stews i want to eat like cooked lentils and barley and yummy, rich, warm food like that because it feels nourishing and it feels grounding. Mm -hmm. And then in the summertime, I'm more inclined to want to eat like raw tomatoes with just like olive oil and balsamic and some kind of brighter, crunchier, lighter foods. Um, I don't eat salad in the wintertime because it's, for my system, it's kind of ungrounding. Mm. Um, but in the summertime, I'll eat it more often. And so I think, like, for me, food affects... I'm, I'm very sensitive to how food affects me energetically. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe that's just from years of trying to be conscious about it. Yeah. And also being kind of a delicate little flower. <laughs> <laughs> Can you share more about what it means to feel ungrounded? Because I... Wow, you're so... I need to know what cheesecake does to my okay. skin. <laughs> you're cheesecake. so serious right now. Cheesecake <laughs> really <laughs> clogs you up, babe. <laughs> yeah, that's actually how I feel. I feel clogged and well, it's a lot of it's a lot of dairy, and dairy yeah. produces a lot of mucus, mm. and mucus clogs you up on a physical level, but it can also clog up your brain. Yeah. And you're, you know, not... Thinking clearly, not cloudy in your head. AD. That's it's too much cheesecake. Too much cheesecake. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's okay. probably not too much dairy. It's just too much cheesecake. In so particular, like sugars yeah. in general. Is there a thing that sugars do? Like I'm talking about, like processed sugars. I know this isn't like your field, but yeah, I'm a floral designer. And I <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Amy, what were you going to talk about? Uh, nothing. Don't worry. We're just talking. About, <laughs> they're drilling. So in a healthy diet. Um, well, yeah, no sugar. It's actually um, sugar's toxic, but it's so good. Sure. Um, in Ayurvedic medicine, sugar is sattvic. Sattvic means like pure and good Hmm. but they're talking i mean this is an old medicine this is talking about sugar five thousand years ago before it's like 
you know, this is jaggery. This is the kind of pure, unfiltered, unprocessed sugar. The sugar that we are exposed to is bleached oftentimes with animal bones. Oh, really? Um, yeah, a lot of white sugar is not considered vegan. Interesting, um, I did not know that. And it's all the, all the vegan full listeners are like no. chemicals and like there's even like fluorine. <laughs> Anyways, I mean sugar is delicious. I have a total sweet tooth, mm-hmm. but everything in moderation. I find like when I quit sugar, like I did a cleanse earlier this year, and it makes me really sad. Like I notice a huge, oh, really? I notice a huge slump in my happiness levels when mm. I stop eating sugar. And I'm sure after like months that would rebalance. But honestly, three weeks into the cleanse, I'm still like. God, I wish I could have some dark sure. chocolate right now. Yeah. So I can't answer that question to you. I, for you, I think that like everyone has to be aware of how certain things affect certain, their own bodies. Like yeah. I don't feel negative when I eat gluten, but a lot of people find gluten makes them feel like crap. Sure. Yeah. Wow. So it's just okay. yeah. Yeah. I don't mean to. I didn't mean to cut you off earlier. No, it's okay. Your, uh, I like your deep question. I was just. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, AD is the lighthearted part of the podcast, and I'm the. Deep, the deep are you, pensive. Would you say that you are the young to my yin? <laughs> I would say that I'm the young to your yin. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. I don't know. He's the studio salad. Yeah. Ooh, I'm, I the, like that. I'm the studio salad. You're my. You're the sun to my moon. Can we just keep going with yeah. this? Yeah. Uh, you're the water to my earth. This sounds, water to your fire. Can we stop this? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to do this. First off, I'm out of analogies, and secondly, this is true love. This is. How are you possibly out of analogies? There's. It's just. Opposites, man. But I feel like the opposites that you have are, are so mystical. Oh, okay, okay. And I, I don't know that yeah. many mystical opposites. Is, is earth the opposite of water or is it fire? Is it fire? I would say... Or, well, I, I mean, any, any, any other thing. I said earth, but you were like fire. What's the opposite of water if water had an opposite? Ooh. Well, water's liquid, whereas earth's solid. Mm-hmm. So that feels cool. And What is fire? Fire is a plasma. Fire Science. is stoked by what by air, so mm. I feel like they can't be opposites. All right, so I'm gonna go with Earth. Earth, I think Earth is good, earth. especially because like the Grand Canyon, the water carved that through mm. the Earth. Cosmic. So there's this cosmic violence of them opposing each other. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cosmic violence. Can I be the, can I be the name of the podcast? <laughs> the name of this episode: Cosmic Violence. <laughs> well, anyways, bringing this back on track, I would love to hear Fran about being grounded or ungrounded. So you talked about a salad in winter makes you feel ungrounded. Can you tell us what that means or how that feels for you? Because yeah. I'm yeah, I'm curious to just know what that looks like. For me personally, when I get really ungrounded, I forget to feel my feet. I legitimately don't feel my feet touch the earth whoa, when whoa. I'm walking. Whoa, whoa, Because right now I'm like literally like, oh, my feet. Okay, like inside my <laughs> shoes. But what do you mean feel your feet? Like like a ghost? You're floating around? I honestly sometimes feel like I am floating around from my head. Like my head is just like bobbing in space and my body's just dangling from it. That's when I'm severely ungrounded. And that was a... Not to get like too personal, but that was like my MO for many, many years. Hmm. I lived in a very ungrounded state where either through substances or through lack of eating, I would get in this very ethereal light space, which can be really magical and beautiful. And you feel much more connected to, at times I would feel more connected to spirit and like my whole head was open to just receive and to float around but 
that's not a very sustainable way to live in the world because you're a space cadet. And I was like, not really aware of what was going on around. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether I was like spaced out driving or walking into things, all of that is like being ungrounded for me. I So there were there was a time where you literally walked into things, is that what you're saying? Or? Oh, all the time. Oh, really? Oh, oh totally. Yeah. I walk into things all the time. Still, kind of. Yeah. Or, if yeah. I am if she eats in, too many salads in the winter. If I, <laughs> y'all, if I eat way too many salads in the wintertime, I'm walking straight into that wall. Okay, okay. Um, I mean I've walked into I've walked into things. But are you more talking more than four it, times a day? No, definitely not more than four yeah. times a day. I feel like that's uh, that is a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I can understand you taking note of that. And mm-hmm. so when you're like, okay, now I need to become grounded, is it something... Like when you said the thing about the feet, I kind of take, took account really quickly. I was like, oh, am I am I feeling my feet? And so I just like moved my feet around, right? Is that some is that a place to start, to start becoming grounded? Or does it... Oops, sorry, I just hit the microphone, everyone. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. that is a really good technique that the most simple technique that I've learned for re-grounding myself, I'll stand up. I will actively push my feet into the ground. I will Mm. feel the earth push back on me. And then I like to imagine that I have roots that are just roots diving into the earth. And I can scan my whole body and allow myself to feel that heaviness. And instead of focusing on my lightness, where I float away because I am very... We all have different constitutions. Like You are more earth-centered than I am. I am a very airy person. She's saying that, guys, because I have a little extra weight. <laughs> no, no, and it's just, extra For those that are listening as well, AD is st- st- stood up, and he is grounding himself. I'm apparently. trying. He's working yeah, on ground. I, yeah. I want to try it. I want to mm-hmm. see. And honestly, I feel like a lightness in my back for some reason. Maybe it's because I don't mm-hmm. ever do this. or But I'm just like, oh, and I'm now thinking about my feet. I'm also paying attention to the rest of me. And I'm like, oh. Well. But that's just me. Very That's cool. That's cool. Like that's your foundation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, That's so interesting. So you're making this foundation, and then the rest of your body can just grow up from there. So yeah, I think that's a really good basic technique is pushing your feet. I like to think of my exhale to help me ground. When I stand, I'll inhale, and then as I exhale, I imagine that that breath being like whoosh, down through mm. my feet to the earth. I mean, I had this healer years ago do help me because I used to be so airy and like ungrounded that... I was very open to more like vampiric energies hmm. that were. Can you define first? <laughs> when I think of vampiric energies, I'm imagining Twilight. Yeah, so yeah. So tell us, well, yeah. Can I just you had just Edward do- Cullen all over <laughs> me. Wow. I was actually envisioning like, like a guy with a vacuum cleaner, and he was like, I don't know, he was sucking up your energy. You know, like, I know that's weird. No, but, but like, that's that, what I was that's, thinking. That's what ultimately like a vampire would do, right? That's totally suck right. Things out of you, yeah. Well, a vampire does it by biting, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the, the theory, though, is that something is in you that is no longer in you, like your blood with a vampire. So, yeah, yeah your energy yeah. being... Sucked it, yeah. sucked in by an energy guy. Hmm. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. I've never thought about a vamp- vampiric energy. energy. Have you ever hung out with someone and you leave and you're just... Sorry, I'm ready. I'm ready for what you're going to say, because yes, I have. Yeah. <laughs> you're just and drained. You, you leave and you're just like, fuck, excuse my language. You're like... Oh, they just like took that out of me. They like drain you of life force. Oh my goodness. There's a girl that I met on a dating app and (laughs) (laughs) we were hanging out and we'd hung out for months. And I I realized something after we had hung out for months. I was like, 
I hate her. Like I, I don't, <laughs> I don't hate her, but I really didn't like hanging out with her, and I would leave, and I'd actually be physical. Like I would be sad. And I was like, why am I so sad? Oh. But she just she would say some things. Just why? And she's nice, but she would say some things while we were hanging out that I was just like, oh gosh, I can't. Like and so and I remember she met a friend, and the friend was like, you need to not hang out with her. Like and I hadn't said anything to the friend. But that's what it was. It was kind of this energy that was, like, I would leave and I would feel so deflated. So a few weeks ago, I literally was like, we were saying bye, and I was like, hey, it was nice to meet you. And I said it real quick, because I knew in my my heart, I was like, I'm not ever seeing her again. And I've never seen her. I haven't seen her since then. Which is Yeah, she texted me, and she was like, Hey, it was really nice to. Uh, I, I feel sad because we haven't seen each other in a while. And I, was just like, I feel happy and because I feel we haven't. <laughs> I feel amazing. <laughs> I feel so light. Anyway, that's. Uh, I shouldn't have shared that because she might listen to the pod. And I think she's still a wonderful person. Oh my gosh. Uh, if she's she just talking. <laughs> you know what, what if you are that person? How do you... How do you unvampire yourself? Yeah, what if you wake up and you're sucking the blood of your friends, sorry, sucking the energy, and, I mean, how do you even realize that without someone saying, hey, and then how do you, like, change that? Because that's, like... Dude, I have no idea. I think you got to go, like, into the jungle and take a bunch <laughs> of ayahuasca and just reset yourself. <laughs> Start fresh. Gosh, man. Well, oh, I feel bad for that. Yeah. Well, the question, I guess that begs the question, though, is if... For somebody that sucks the energy out of somebody else, they may not, may do that to you, but they may not do that to everybody. So everyone's composed mm. differently. So yeah, okay, like, okay. just because like someone is kind of like your kryptonite, they might be. I don't know. I kind of think that the the friend who said this, she came to that conclusion very on her own, separate from me. The other friend who met the girl, she was like, she was like, yeah, I don't like her. Like, and I was like, oh, and. You know, and so, but you're probably right. There's only two, that's only two people. And that girl and I, like my friend, we have the same birthday. And so not that that means anything, but we, I don't know, like when you're thinking about energy, you think you start thinking about like, you know, your signs and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know all that stuff, but if I'm thinking about energies in that world, I can imagine that maybe we're off put by the same sort of energy type person. I'm just thinking out loud. Gosh. I, I think you're spot on because I I think that those sort of energy suck people kind of suck energy from everyone around them because she has a hole in her and she doesn't know how to fill it. Aww. And, you know, I mean, we all have little mm-hmm. holes. I mean, some of us have bigger holes than others. <laughs> but I think that... <laughs> That was a really, like, it was a slight against this person saying, like, she has these huge gaps, so I don't want to say that. And then I think it cascaded into something totally different from there. It cascaded anywhere. Okay, well, what I meant to say... Oh, my God. ...is that she probably needs to develop a personal practice to fill herself up without having to suck it from other people. Yeah. And I hope... Listen, I could be a vampire to people and I hope not no you're I, full of life I really hope not gosh man you, you're, you give energy you do I feel that I feel, that I feel energized me with energy so I'm a reverse vampire what's you, that I'm a, what's the opposite of a vampire I would think of you 
as Please say as a farmer. What? Because you're planting joy into people's lives. Like but the, you are, the farmer you are also dis- harvests. Okay. I would think of you as a mariachi band. Ooh. I would think of you as a distillery, distilling Ooh. down. <laughs> Keep <laughs> it, trying to one up friends mariachi coming. band. Yeah. Keep it coming. Mm. I, I would think mm. of you as a very mm. as an orchestra. Happy Ooh. French clown. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. I like my orchestra. Oh. I'm sick of my orchestra. All right. All right. All right. This is, this podcast has changed into make AD feel good. This um, is the AD encouragement hour. Yes, thank you for listening in. Um, what's uh, what's going on? What's new with you? What's going on in your world? In the world of florals? Um, if you guys aren't familiar with uh, France's work, uh, I think it's prolific and I think it's different. Um, we were talking a little bit about it and. Uh, I love it. I think she's one of the strongest floral designers that I know, that I've seen. And so it's it's always kind of a... Whenever we're at a wedding together, it's like, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be cool. And so um, When I think of Fran's work, I think that... I think there are a lot of people now who are creating a style similar to yours now, but I always think that you are the original icon of that, that of your own style and vision here in Denver. Ooh, so there's a lot of times I'll see florists here, and I think, that looks like... It's very inspired by Fran's work. I think, yeah, I honestly, because we just mentioned it, I'd love to use to speak on it a bit, but because um, now we're not letting you talk. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, just keep no, lavishing I, I with praise. I would that. And I, I saw someone uh, uh, who just started, and which props to them, and I was like, I thought, I remember thinking, oh, she's trying to be like Francis, mm-hmm. but she's not doing it. There's something to the arrangements and to like the spacing. And for me, that's what I, when I look at it, I see, I think in terms of spacing and like, okay, wow, this this flower comes out and bends out like this, and I'm sure that was by design. And this one is over here, and then I remember we've even watched you work. We came and did that thing at your office, and it was just uh, it was just interesting to see like, oh, okay, and then oh, there it is. Okay, cool. And I've tried to make it, and I'm like, oh, I I can't do that. I I can put flowers together and wrap them around, and but I can't. I can't make it look right. You know what I mean? And for me, there's a there's a sort of pursuit of perfection or a pursuit of something other, which is that perfection that I see. Um, but, I mean, in that sort of industry with other people sort of clouding your work, how does... I mean, I just want to start that conversation. What do you think about that when you uh, think of your work in the terms of others and other things like that? Yeah. Well, I would like to clarify that I did not start anything. I feel like I am just down here on the low level of like so many other amazing florists who were ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Um, What's Sorry, I just want to interject. Uh, genius is not uh, letting people know where your sources come from, which I think is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so even though we don't know the other florists, you are the genius in our eyes. And, and I love how that works. You know, like you're like, oh, yeah, I do the same thing in photography. People are like, no, oh, how'd you do that? I'm like... Oh, no. Thank you. Um, Yeah, because I haven't been doing this that long, but for me, floral design is just another... It's just like any other form of design. You're you're using the same principles, color, movement, rhythm, depth, all the kind of compositional elements. Okay, I, I think that's true to a point, but there's something different with floral design. Like... Well, it's a living medium. It, well, it's, that's huge. That's huge. But one thing in particular that I think I, I always wonder about when I see a design at a wedding or something is like in this room, for example, there's only limited space. There's like walls and there's, you know, you can put 
art on the walls, or put a, a new sense of, um, like this armoire that we have here, this hutch, and you have plants, and then you have certain space. With florals, though, my question always comes back to how do you know when it's done, or how do you have a finished product? Because it seems like you could literally tinker with it forever until, mm-hmm. of course, like the flowers die. Um, but with like a room, it's like there's a set confine of space and time that, that you can do something, and once you've done that, like that's it. But with florals, I feel like there's a, there's a time, or a, there, I don't know how you set that, that yeah. barrier. I think there's like a sense of, there has to be some discipline because I am a perfectionist. And the whole concept of like wabi-sabi, you guys know what that yeah. is? I don't know what that is. Oh. I know, I, I, you might be saying it wrong. Is it wasabi? <laughs> <laughs> it's what you put on your sushi. <laughs> no, wabi-sabi, not to go off on another subject, but is this Japanese kind of theory of design where there's an embracing of the imperfections, and the imperfections are what makes something perfect. Rough. Rough. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, Guys, let's take a quick break, and we're going to kind of go deeper. We're going to dive deeper into that idea. All right, we'll talk to you in a sec. And we're back. All right. Hope you enjoyed that little ditty. <laughs> That's uh, we have really long breaks here, Francis, and so I hope you got. To Last time, AD built a house. I built a house in our break time. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, okay. So wasabi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wabi sabi. Yeah. So wabi sabi is super cool right now, and like florists love to talk about it, and other design people. Anyways, I'm not into it. I'm. You're not into wabi sabi. No. Oh, wow. I'm. I'm way too obsessive and anal retentive to be into wabi-sabi. Okay. I love perfection. So your mentality is wabi-wabi, which is the beauty in just perfection. Yeah. Is that, is that no, true? No, I'm just I actually, I, I have a running list of memoir titles, but one of them is I Could Be More Perfect. <laughs> wow, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying in, this per, in, in wabi-sabi, it's like it's okay to be imperfect, but... What you're saying is for your work, it, there is a level of perfection that might look imperfect to someone else, but it is perfect. Or it, yeah, I guess yeah, no, yeah. I'm just saying that like I, I'm not saying I'm perfect at all, but no, I no. Um, I get a little obsessive about this flower needs to turn at this exact angle to look at me, and there needs to be this perfect integration of this peach into this apricot color into this sherbet color like I get really obsessive and that's where I could tinker all day Hmm. Uh, like Levi was saying like how do you know when to stop I struggle with that I definitely I heard a florist who I love and respect so much years ago say when you're when you think you're done with an arrangement take out two flowers and then stop because we often do overdo it. And I am completely guilty of that. I will overthink and over design and over tinker until I'm just sort of beating the thing to death. And there's a lot of, it's a good practice to know when to stop. Hmm. And it's hard to do, but that I think is what comes with skill and mastery that only comes with years of practice. And um, my work, I, I can get kind of like cerebral with my flowers and sometimes I have to remember to just get out of my head and just flow with it. Mm-hmm. I, uh, For example, bridal bouquets are really hard to make. Mm-hmm. They are, for me, the hardest thing to do for a wedding. Mm-hmm. I can make a six foot tall, huge swooping arrangement 
any day. I love doing huge, big gestural things. That but why, why is that easier? Why is for that me, easier? I don't know. It's just, I feel like it's like a huge dance with sweeping arms and you've got a huge canvas to work on. Whereas a bridal bouquet is relatively small. It's really important. It has to be functional. It can't fall apart when she walks around with it. It needs to last for a few hours, mm-hmm. which is hard to do with product that's very delicate and um, Here's something I always wonder: Is there a is there normally a front to a bouquet? I always design with a front and with a back. A front. There's a front and a back mm-hmm. sides. Like there's a way that you want it to be looked at. So like when I'm photographing it, is there like, hey, this is like this totally is AD. Like, mm-hmm. and w- it, without you telling me, because sometimes I might not see the florist at the wedding. How would I know what the front is and what? Yes, Levi? No. You, oh, I was like, do you know? <laughs> well, actually, I do feel like every wedding I've been to with Fran doing florals, she's always gone out of her way to come to me and say, hey, just a heads up, this is the front, this is the back. And that's really helpful because yeah. it's like, oh, this is how the artist intends it to be seen and how they want it to be photographed. Mm-hmm. I always ask the floor, the florist if if they are there, you know, like because I want to know, I want them to see their their arrangements the way they designed it. But I wonder if if I wasn't to see you, and I'm sure that's sometimes the case where you don't see the the photographer or whoever, how do you, is there a way for someone to know like, hey, like take some time and think about it, this could be the front. Well, so old school, like round spiraled arrangements, you could kind of hold them anyway. These larger, more fine art style or more kind of bohemian style arrangements clearly have a front and a back and one of the ways that I try to designate that especially for my bridesmaids because I feel like no offense bridesmaids but like they're not paying attention when Mm. you like give them your bouquet is I say very clearly like if it's a wrap with like there's a ribbon that goes around just like the middle of the bouquet and there's no trailing ribbons I'll say pins so there'll be like little pearl pins that hold the ribbon like pins go in the back pins in the back and then if there's pins in the back but if there's flowing ribbons Flowing ribbons go in the front. Flowing in the front. Okay, yeah. I remember that. That's, yeah. That makes sense. It's I a pretty can, easy designator so yeah. that they know, oh, I can feel the pins on my thumbs or I have the flowing ribbons draping over my fingers. Okay, cool. So you mentioned sort of fine art uh, bouquets versus sort of maybe the standard bouquet. or just, Yeah. Uh, when you think about the fine art world of florals, uh, I guess I don't even think, I don't have that delineation uh, are there any other delineating factors? What do you think about that sort of fine art world in general, um, like when it comes to florals? Yeah. Um, first off, I think the designation fine art weddings and fine art florals is a little douchey. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I use the hashtag all the time. But why? Why? Tell me why? Yeah. Why is because it just seems like such a pretentious name, mm-hmm. fine art florist, whereas you all are crude of course. Like, <laughs> like the opposite. Yeah, is this, yeah, you know, like you're standard and we are artists. Mm. And it is true like that there are different levels in anything. You've got your more craftsmen and you have your masters and that's just the nature of the world. But the term fine art floral or fine art weddings, fine art photographer, I'm not sure who originated it. I definitely associate it with once wed. Hmm, okay. That blog. Sure, sure. Um, I feel like they were sort of like the originators of this more, of embracing this very like natural style where everything's very like purposefully undone. You know, you've got like the crinkled linen that's 
just the so you know, the wabi sabi. But do you not think that and there's any weight there? And oh, I, I love. Yeah. Like, no, that's the thing. Like, I'm very conflicted about it. Like, it's beautiful. When I was getting married in 2012, that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. But it's 2018 and I'm kind of over it. Okay. You know, like I'm over the everyone using the distant drum rows with like this touch of mauve and the brass taper candlesticks with the gray tapers. And like there there were some really wonderful stylists like Ginny Yao and Joy Thigpen and these people who kind of helped start this look. And now it's so mainstream and it feels really generic to me. Mm-hmm. And I think I blame Pinterest for that. I blame Pinterest for just beating us to death with this one look and then claiming that this is this, you know, really special, natural, graceful, authentic, where for me it's like just another trend. And Mm. it's a trend that at times I find really adorable and beautiful and, you know, just like I find some clothes that are really trendy, really cute and fun, but it doesn't mean that it's as timeless as everyone likes to say it is. I think that there's got to be a change soon. One thing actually AD and I were talking about, this is probably a few months ago, we were talking about higher-end weddings, um, and one of the things we were basically bantering about was the fact that a lot of high-end weddings seem to have one look. Like, everyone wants mm-hmm. their high-end wedding to look this particular way. And it was interesting how if you're spending, you know, $1 million on a wedding or, or more than that, like, you know, it's significantly higher-end than, than most people are planning their weddings, how you would imagine that in that look, with that, with that kind of money for creativity and design and intention, that there would be a really huge spread of ideas that you would see, things you've never seen before every single time. Every time it would be, like, blowing your minds with intentionality. But instead, I feel like at that level, there's a lot of work that just looks almost the same as each other, despite the fact that they have the means and the resources to make it incredible. And that, I think, it was such an interesting like, assertion that we were talking about, just that, yeah, it could be this thing you've never seen before, but it always kind of delineates into like the lowest common denominator and things that people mm-hmm. can understand. Totally. I see that with, like, on Instagram, these some of these, like, huge million-dollar weddings. The florals almost feel like the 90s hmm. because they just want to do so much. Yeah. To make it feel like grand and over the top. But at a certain point, it's just a wall of flowers. And that's like something I personally struggle with as I'm getting more and more in this high end where I'm doing my centerpieces are $400 now for some of my weddings instead of 150 like mm. other florists. Where I can't always use these very delicate special product because I have to have 150 flowers in this bouquet to make it big enough for this table where they want things huge. So how do you, there's like a balancing act of like the artistry with the size. Oh, wow. And so you're saying that you have to kind of fill it in with lesser, probably less expensive flowers, less, less unique flowers because not, they have to be like more earthy and gr- Not even lesser flowers, just so many, okay. you and know, you to get this you scale. get that many flowers in a, in, a, in a boutique flower, is that what you're saying? Mm, like a, no, I'm not clear. I don't know how I'm saying this, but it's basically like I had these huge centerpieces for this big million dollar wedding mm-hmm. and they were pretty and they were in a 10 inch diameter bowl, which is a big bowl. Big so the arrangements, if you're looking like bird's eye down on them are 22 inches in diameter, like they're sure. large. Yeah. And you can't use a specialty delicate garden rose in an arrangement like that because it gets lost in the oh, sea okay, right, of sure. yeah. flowers. And that's what I'm saying is like sometimes these huge weddings, it's like they're valuing, not always, but there's this valuing of quantity over artistry. And that's frustrating for me as 
as a fine art florist. Um, whereas this weekend, I've got this lovely wedding where we're doing a lot of really small things, very delicate. We've got these stoneware, like ceramic tumblers and lots of kind of small wildflowers. We're using 90% Colorado grown flowers, which is awesome um, because the product that hasn't been shipped from South America is so much more interesting mm -hmm. because there's more shape in the stems. Like, you know how you're saying like, sometimes in my design you'll see a flower that's extending out of the design and maybe it has a slight swoop to its, yeah. those are the more natural shapes that from the local gardens versus very cultivated, very chemicalized, is that mm. a word? You know, like now. these flowers are covered in pesticides. Wow. And um, that sucks. I mean, I don't like being exposed to all those pesticides. And sure. that's why I like to be using more natural, like local product. And this weekend alone, I know it's only Thursday, but for me, a weekend is the whole wedding right. process. Um, we've had so many bugs in my studio. Mm. We've had like grasshoppers and spiders and weird other bugs. And it's because we're using product that hasn't been sprayed to death. Oh, wow. And, um, hmm. so know. interesting. That is interesting. Um, so what's the, I guess, thinking about uh, where sort of luxury weddings are going, where the industry's going, and maybe that's a little little stagnant, where where could it go in your perfect world? What's, what's sort of a, a view of not just florals, but just maybe the industry uh, in a few years, and maybe it could go down a path that is more what? Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I definitely get really psyched when I have a client who values the quality and the intentionality of something more than the quantity and the show. Yeah. I mean, I had a couple, I had a wedding in June that was all about the show mm -hmm. and how big everything was and how fancy everything was and how much, just kind of showing off, like, look at how much money we're spending. And mm -hmm. that energy, going back to energies, mm -hmm. really was pervasive throughout the whole day. It affected the guest experience, it affects the vendor experience. Hmm. And whereas you can have a wedding that's spending just that much, as much money, and it's not about that. I mean, I've had that. I had another wedding in July that was like that. I mean, you know, not a crazy huge wedding, but probably a $400,000 wedding. And they were so full of love, this couple, and their friends really, were just marvelous and you could feel the love and the positivity and the joy throughout this whole day and they were so grateful they were so gracious hmm. they were so open to vendors being expressive and to they trusted their vendors and everyone on my team left that wedding was like that was amazing that was a such a positive experience for us compared to this wedding where we felt like the one in June that was all about the show that energy I don't know yeah. So I think intentionality is huge. Um, I have a big wedding later this year that I think is going to be really, really elegant and gorgeous. And they're still spending lots of money, but there's this intentionality with like the flowers and the look and the design. It's very highly designed. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of this special awareness of how the, you know, the silverware works with the chargers, works with the custom leather placemats, with the bell jars that will have single stems in them and... I just, I don't know. That's my hope for the work that I do. I like to have variety. Um, I hate making the same centerpiece for everything. I want to be able to have the artistic freedom to have variety on my tables and the 
variety of like colors and choices that a floral product um but I don't know where the wedding industry is going I think that there's a lot of there's such a specific look right now there's both there's not one look there's like three or four very specific looks like you're either like the green wedding shoes like protea and like mixing in tropicals with garden roses and it's very like free people Mm -hmm. and then you have the more um you still have these like pretty traditional like balls of roses weddings mm-hmm. which i don't understand how those still exist but they do mm-hmm. and then you have uh <laughs> Waiting on the balls of roses. <laughs> stupid balls of roses <laughs> and then you have the like you still have that rustic like sunflower stuff like if you go on pinterest that stuff is all over sure. you know like the barn weddings the barn weddings won't die and then you have like the fine art weddings which are more like i feel like it's a lot of blood it's a lot of mauve it's a lot of like more of the like airy architectural designs which is what I like to do mm-hmm. I just feel like at a certain point there's two there's enough florists doing airy architectural designs that I just wish there was something new and I don't know what it is I feel like this year I've been playing around with like going back to like almost traditional style but with a lot more movement So like a silver revere bowl with really lush, ruffly, romantic, elegant florals that you would see at a black tie wedding in New York City, but it's not a round ball. There's still like extending wisps of jasmine vine and long, lovely ranunculas that have curves to their stems. But it's not this Ikebana-inspired minimalist thing because mm-hmm. that's the other problem I have with some of the fine art florists whose work is really beautiful on Instagram, but their arrangements have 12 flowers in them. Like, I'm sorry, but you can't charge your client. I, well, I would not feel okay charging my client $250 for an arrangement that has 12 flowers in it. Like, I want... A wedding still has to have... It, just because something looks beautiful on Instagram doesn't mean it like works for the wedding sure. itself. Yeah, mm. I mean that's under the kind of floristry floristry that yeah. I can get into. Yeah, twelve flowers, 12 flowers arranged asymmetrically for one thousand dollars. Asymmetrically, <laughs> asymmetrically. <laughs> this is a twelve thousand dollar floral <laughs> arrangement, and what I've done here is I've made a Sith Lord replica <laughs> with flowers, and so. <laughs> There's a bouquet on both ends. <laughs> How cool would that be? That'd be awesome. How cool? Okay, that's this is why I don't do florals. And now we're doing something different. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, New oh, what can we do different? Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, you didn't see that, but florals on both ends. Florals on both ends, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's Darth crazy. Maul. Just, yeah. Oh, is it Darth Maul? Hey, yeah. Sith Lord, Darth Maul. I don't know. I hate Star Wars. <laughs> you hate Star yeah, Wars? Yeah, yeah, I do. Sorry. Wait, it's have true. you seen them all? Or Meh. what? Meh. Have you seen the first I, ones? Or yeah, like the old ones. You hated them from there? No, no. Like, I think I thought they were cool in sixth grade, like, for a little bit. Wow. You are burning, like, an entire, like... Yeah. I'm sorry, people. I don't like Star Wars. I thought I did. I thought I tried. I tried. What what did you watch recently? Have you seen any of the new ones? Uh, I had to go to one of them. It was, like, a rogue one. It was really (laughs) long. It was was like a rogue one. It's Rogue One. That's the name of the movie. It was maybe one of those. But it was, like, I don't know. I just, like, my husband, we walk in, he's like, hey, by the way... You can't turn to me at any point in this movie and be like, what's going on? Uh, 
like yeah. him. I like him. Yeah. Like so I just had to sit there being like, what the fuck's going on? But you didn't like Rogue One a little it bit? It didn't really do much for me. I'm wow. sorry. Do you like I just, action movies in general? No, I don't. Okay. I really don't. I like, yeah. um, I really like BBC period dramas. It's more my style. What? Yeah. Okay, I want like, yeah. I'm really into like the Brontes and really into Jane Austen. And, okay. I recognize you know, Jane Austen. Okay. You know yeah. what I really love more than just about anything? What's that? Hands down. The BBC six part rendition of War and Peace with uh, James Norton and Lily James. I could watch that all day long and cry. <laughs> Literally. I like that. I have no idea. It's, I feel like that would, I don't know what it is, but I feel like I'd be in a prison watching it. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's so beautiful. Like, no. They, they that's like, what, what they I mean, first of all, they like filmed it at like uh, the Summer Palace in like Petersburg. Like the architecture is amazing and the costume design is amazing and it's so tragic because like, Crazy amounts of people died in those wars. Um, oh, so it's an action thing. No. <laughs> yeah. No, no. The, the Battle of Borodino. I mean, it's it's yeah. Napoleon invading Russia. There was a lot of action. Have you seen The Queen? Or, oh, yeah. The Crown. Have, the Crown. No, no. Is this a series? Is it yeah. Netflix it's a series? Oh, it's called The Crown. Called yeah. The Crown. Well, uh, have you seen it? Of course. Duh. You, you like that? Or? I fucking love it. Excuse okay, me. I haven't seen it. Um, it's I so good. The, the costume design's amazing in that as well. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that you'd like it. Um, um, uh, <laughs> I haven't actually seen yeah, it. Yeah, Claire Foy. <laughs> this yeah. looks like something that I will stereotype you into liking. Yeah. yeah well, I was right. She was but like, you were of right. Course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, what are you Yeah, I was going to say, I think uh, we're going to wrap this up here. Oh. Uh, uh, no. Yeah. But we're okay. having so much fun. I like this. I think we've covered like a lot of stuff. Yeah. I'm going to ask um, two things before we wrap up. One, Levi, we need a photographer of the week. And then I want to know where our listeners can find you. So if they don't know your work already, what are the different places? Are you on Twitter? I'm not on Ew, Twitter. No. Yeah, but a lot of people are on Twitter. Twitter why? Social media. There's but why? So- There's no visual component to it. I only do so. Post a photo on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, but not really. It's not like visually pleasing. Okay. Twitter is where you engage with the culture at the root. I think it's the place where the epicenter. What is going on with okay. you right now? So I love Twitter. The things that happen on Twitter are amazing. Especially, I feel like there's a movement called Black Twitter, which essentially, it's just African-American culture rising up on Twitter, celebrating Black culture in America. And it's this whole other side of America that you can really, really find grassroots via Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. I love that. I I'm like this blonde Twitter. waspy girl from Virginia who likes Jane Austen. <laughs> but that said, I... Uh, really tried Twitter for like a hot second when I used to have a yoga blog before I became a florist, whole other life. (laughs) Um, And I found it really confusing. And the fact, the visuals, I I think it's developed from then, but I didn't find it visually engaging. Whereas Instagram, I can live on Instagram. I find things, things about, about it are annoying, of course, with like the popularity games and the influencer marketing. I find all of that a little bit like obnoxious, but I find so much visual inspiration. Like I love following people from around the world. Like I'm obsessed with this Russian woman right now on Instagram, who's like a descendant of Tolstoy, bringing it back to war and peace here. I'm a big, I'm a big Russophile. Um, but she posts about like Russian fashion designers and jewelry designers who are like bringing back traditional like Russian jewelry styles. And I just find it so cool that you can be exposed to all of that, which I'm sure, sure. you can be exposed to all of that on Twitter. It just probably seems not. less yeah, pretty. Probably not. Uh, I was, uh, I just watched uh, Alexander McQueen's uh, documentary and I was blown away. I, yeah. And I already follow uh, McQueen like on Instagram, 
But now I was like, oh, like, look at his story. Like, this is pretty crazy. Yeah, anyway, you were talking yeah. about uh, I saw that fashion. show when it was at the Met years ago. Oh, really? And they had the room with, like, the, the uh, what are those things called? Ravens. W- yeah. Like, with, the Ravens. Oh, you were there? Or? I was there. You're not kidding? You're kidding? No, or, no, I was there. What? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was... Uh, just looking at it, I was like, this is exceptional. And I, I love fashion. I love a dress. I look at fashion, like dress blogs and whatever, but or magazines. But that's for, like for wedding dresses. But seeing mm-hmm. like this huge world and like, and we're talking about the future. I just, I think there's a little bit, I think we can dream more in our industry. We're pretty much like, this is what we're going to show. We're going to show the same thing that's been done over yes. and over again. And we sort of put ourselves we put ourselves in our own box and we say, this is what wedding photography is or wedding the industry is or florals are, you know, and that's why I like your work because I feel like you're stepping out of that. And so, uh, so you do other things, not just wedding photography. I know you do uh, the still lives um, yeah. and things like that. And I think and prop styling and moving on wardrobe styling. Yeah. And so that's, it's really beautiful to know that your, your artistry kind of goes outside of uh, just the wedding world, but I think it, it sort of seeps in to both. And I love, you know, because that makes, that sort of continues to solidify wedding industry artists as legitimate artists, which is beautiful. Uh, so, yeah, where where do we find you in all those spaces? Where can we find your work? Yeah? Cool. Um, you can find me on Instagram <laughs> at Prema Style. Um, Prema is a Sanskrit word that means unconditional love or divine mm-hmm. love. It's my middle name. Nice. Um, and How do you can, spell it? Just P-R- P-R-E-M-A, Prema Style. And right. my website is premastyle.com. Awesome. And yeah, Instagram is really, it's my thing. It's my jam. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm on Facebook, kind of, but mm, not really. I yeah, basically yeah. just links to whatever I posted on Instagram. I'm, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and then just one more thing about Instagram and what you just said. One of the best things I ever did for my, like, creative inspiration for my business, but also my like sanity was I really about two years ago did a purge of my Instagram and stopped following so many wedding people. And I started following other stuff because when I, I have, um, I have four Instagram accounts. Um, I have one for my dog. I have one for my personal. I have one for my still lives. And then I have one for my business. What's the still life one? It's Prema Prince. Oh, Prema Prince. It's it's pretty not active right now. But that's cool. We can Um, find kind of different stuff. Yeah. And my personal is Fraulein underscore Francis, Mm -hmm. which I find it really freeing to have a personal account where I can just post whatever I want, you know, and then because my professional account is a lot of professional photos. But what I was saying is that a couple years ago, I decided to expand my professional kind of following to follow like Vogue Italia and Tatler and uh, First Dibs and all and a bunch of interior designers, a bunch of jewelry designers, a bunch of fashion designers. And so that when I scroll through my feed, I'm seeing, oh, travel photographers. Yeah. Um, So I'm seeing beautiful, inspirational, like colorful, awesome stuff that's not just the wedding world. Because if you start only looking at wedding stuff all day long, you, it is limiting. It limits your creativity. And it also made me feel really bad about myself because I'd see stuff on Instagram and just be like, wow, their work is so much better than mine. Like they're doing a week work, a a wedding this weekend and I'm not, or like they're working with so-and-so and I'm not. And I got into this really petty little place that didn't feel healthy for me personally, but it didn't feel healthy for my business. It felt like it was closing it down instead Mm -hmm. of using the medium to like connect and feel expansive. So that's my number one 
tip for Instagram is follow people outside of your industry and open yourself up to other sources of inspiration that aren't directly related to what you're doing. That's That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, gosh, so much stuff. This is so awesome. Um, let's, uh, let's get real quick. Let's get our photographer of the week. Photographer of the week. All right. This week, I want to tell you all about my friend, Ben Higgins. Ben he's based in Higgins? Higgins, yeah. Okay. He's based in Bristol in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, his business name is called Boy Called Ben. Uh, ben is a phenomenal photographer. Um, we've met up in London and had, you know, had some meals together. We've met up in Scotland and you know, he actually um, was a part of a workshop that we were doing. Uh, ben is an awesome photographer. He sees light in a really unique way. And what I love about Ben is that he's just kind of doing his stuff on the side. Like he's not getting all this industry attention. He's just flying to Italy every weekend, making amazing photos out there, seeing light in really cool ways. Like I don't know, the photographs he's, he's taken are really minimal, uh, really intentional, really powerful moments. And yeah, they're not like, I think being celebrated in the industry as much as they should be, but Ben is out there making great work. So right on. He, yeah, if you haven't checked out his work, uh, Ben Higgins, Boy Called Ben. I think his wedding Instagram is at Boy Called Weddings. Um, check him out. He's out in the UK and he's all over the world because he travels all over. That's awesome. And we're starting uh, a Blacklight podcast Instagram account. Word. And so uh, we'll have pictures of some of uh, Francis's uh, photos or some of your floor arrangements. We'll have a couple of Ben's photos up uh, so you guys can check it out. You guys can see what we're talking about and you can link back to them. Um, uh, Francis, it's been amazing. Thank you, Francis, for yeah, coming out. I love how you just like sort of how you see the world, not even just the energy talk, like that was really beautiful, but also like hearing how I guess florals are such a part of you from your from like growing up and like how you were describing things. You were using some some words that talk about or, or that you were using like growth and you know, just the, the words that you were using, it's in my mind, it's like wow, she's like florals through and through like you know that's like part of who she is now and that's a that's a really beautiful thing to see then it was also interesting when you were talking about the florals you were like and then i love how the florals can dance and they were swooping and like you're using other you know other sort of parts of your life to describe the florals and i love how that's kind of interwoven uh in in the way that you see florals and the way that you see the world so thank you very much for being open and honest and just like exposing the dark truths of the industry. No, just <laughs> well, I just, I just yeah. hope I didn't come across as a, a meanie face. No, no. Some of is, the things that I said. No, this, this is, is awesome. the Black Light Podcast yeah. for a reason. We are casting light on the dark things of the industry. Yeah, we're just, just be real not just stuff. the dark things, just we're just being real. And I think we all have takes. We all yeah. have like... And I, I can be darker, too. <laughs> I, I am a Scorpio, okay, after no, all. No, no, dun, no, dun, no, dun. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, I called out my friend about being... Uh, being a vampire. vampire. <laughs> so bad. Oh my gosh. Anyway, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you next time. See you thanks next for week. having me. Bye.